0: Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable, that's the key, simple and repeatable, 10-step process for sales success. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C., our guest host today is Deb Borchart, Vice President of Asher Client Services. Deb's guest is our show's co-host, Kyle O'Connell, Senior Partner and Sales Facilitator at Asher Strategies. And the title of this episode is, Three Techniques Elite Sales People Leverage During the Sales Process. Deb, welcome, and over to you.
1: Well, thank you, Dave, and welcome, Kyla. It's great to be with you, and we're really excited to hear about these three techniques. So let's dive in. Kyla, you work closely in the trenches with VPs all the time of sales managers and salespeople, and every day help them close deals faster. What are some of the common challenges you see even the most experienced sales professionals struggle with during the sales process?
2: Thanks, Dave and Deb. I love diving deep with sales teams and dissecting stuck deals and opportunities. It's just what I love to do. And I've noticed three common challenges that even the most experienced salespeople struggle with or they're not aware that they're struggling with. And the first one is proper posturing language. There are three types of posturing language, superior posturing, equal posturing, and an inferior. It's critical for professional salespeople to maintain equal posturing language with prospects and customers. Many times I see salespeople slide into inferior posturing, which inevitably results in the customer controlling the sales process. So inferior posturing sounds like emails uh, written like this. I was just wondering, or if it's okay with you, or, or, let me know when you're available. I'm available anytime. And customers just don't respond to that type of language as it can come across almost desperate sounding. So now the opposite is superior posturing language. And that immediately turns buyers off as well as it can come across as pushy or condescending. Superior posturing language sounds like An email could be written, uh, if I don't hear back from you on this answer by 11 a.m., the deal will need to be renegotiated. Or, since I haven't heard from you, I assume you don't want a 20% ROI for your organization. It's almost bullying, right? And senior leaders will be totally turned off by this type of bullying. So elite salespeople master equal posturing language with customers that places them in a peer-to-peer communication, And think of it as respect earning respect. So equal posturing language sounds like, how would you like me to manage my follow-up with you? This question is just a straightforward ask that the customer takes some ownership when the salesperson will follow up with them, which is whose or her job, but she's certainly allowed to follow through and do her job or his job. But by asking it this way, it allows the customer to be included in the process. The result is an answer that gives the salesperson intelligence of how qualified this opportunity is by the response. If the customer replies with, well, call me next week, then the salesperson knows it's pretty qualified and then the salesperson can ask for a specific date and time to schedule the follow up call. Now the customer has more skin in the game and commitment to the follow up call because he or she agreed this was the best time to circle back. I see More salespeople fall into inferior than superior and it's very ineffective and tiring for both the salesperson and the customer.
1: Okay, so why do you think so many salespeople fall into the inferior posturing language?
2: There's different reasons for each person. Common reasons include certainly personality type, lack of assertiveness training, or confidence in their solution. Salespeople don't need to feel the customer is doing them a favor they should adopt a confident mindset that they're collaborating together with the customer to find the win-win for both the customer and the salesperson. Another reason salespeople fall into inferior posturing is simply lack of confidence or sales training. And even when you see a natural salesperson, they still need the techniques like fine-tuning language at critical times in the sales process to be more effective at closing deals faster. I've seen even the People, the elites that have been in sales for 20, 30 years slide into inferior posturing and, uh, and lose, lose traction and control of the sale.
1: So are there specific times in the sales process that you see this inferior posturing more than others?
2: Yeah, typically when it's time to confirm the next step or close the next step. People get timid, afraid to ask for that next step or afraid to plan it and then practice how they're gonna ask. And that's something we review in in sales training because 48% of all sales calls end without an attempt to close the next step, which just boggles my mind that almost 50% of the sales effort out there is not resulting in any kind of movement And it's making salespeople frustrated, customers frustrated, sales managers frustrated. We arm in our training people with language and a process so that they are mindful of what should be the next step and how do I ask for it? So that's one place in the sales process I definitely see uh, salespeople either get timid or slide into inferior posturing. Another period of the sales process, I see this a lot, is during price negotiation. In training, when we arm our training participants with the idea that they first need to adopt a proud-of-price mindset, and this will help them not fall into that inferior posturing. Those are excellent points. So let's dive into the next challenge, you see. If the first one is this posturing language, the next common challenge I see salespeople struggle with is writing and speaking with customers to customers from their own perspective rather than the customer's perspective. In training, we refer to this as with it, what's in it for them to way too many salespeople write emails that have more eyes in them than use. And the word you Y O U wakes up the customer's old emotional brain because it's immediately signaling this message is about them, the customer. The one I see the most often that just, ugh. Oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard is I get emails like this all the time. I would like to schedule a call with you. Or maybe it's better when they say, I would love to schedule a meeting with you. You can't scream any louder to the customer that this is all about the salesperson. person. It's all about me. And it just drives me nuts. <laughs> so other ones are like, I was just wondering, or I would love, it's all, it's all bad. Uh, customers tune out immediately. We teach our training clients to change more eyes to use. You can change that same sentence, and it has a whole different perspective if you just say, perhaps you would like to connect with me on LinkedIn, let's say. Our company is helping organizations just like yours think differently about how they're currently doing business. If you are interested in hearing about these solutions, let's connect and set up a call. It's all about them and not the salesperson. That's a critical one I see uh, a lot of people make.
1: I totally understand what you're saying. Part of this company, I receive emails all the time from salespeople that often write, I would like, or I'm thinking, or, and all I'm thinking is, why do I care about you, LOL? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's
2: totally it's, uh, out,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's just like, okay, well, whatever. All right. So what's the third challenge you see when working with salespeople on their deals?
2: So the third challenge is a little more complex and easier to miss. It's maintaining leverage throughout the sales process. This requires a very alert salesperson during every move of the process. Think of how alert you are when you're driving in a foot of snow or playing chess. You're thinking about strategically deciding what action or move should I make next. Salespeople need to place that level of critical and strategic thinking in every move of the sales process, or they'll risk giving away all their leverage too early and not having transparency in their deal. For example, one way I see this happen is salespeople get way too comfortable selling to the user buyer of their solution, the person who's actually going to use their solution. And this is great, but oftentimes the user buyer is not the only decision maker. And instead of inserting a meeting or a strategically written question or uh, sidestep the process a bit that required all of the decision makers to be involved, they give their solution, their pricing, their their legal terms, like everything to the user buyer and expect the user buyer then to sell the solution internally. Sometimes that works out, but far too often I see it not work out because salespeople often forget to get the economic buyer involved early in the process. The economic buyer is the person who's gonna transfer the money, who can approve the transfer of the money. No one's gonna sell your solution up the organizational chart better than you will. So I've worked with sales teams on this issue by dissecting their sales process and identifying where they are losing leverage. And at that point, we've developed new stages in the process that require higher levels of authority on both sides. You know, that's one way to get executives on the customer side involved is to get some executives on your side involved in order to move forward. Getting executives, speaking to executives is a very effective way to close deals faster. Also leveraging LinkedIn Sales Navigator to help salespeople identify who these executives are within the company and can reach out to them directly if that's appropriate. Uh, We can't give away all of our information, our solution, our pricing without all of the decision makers involved or we lose control and transparency of the deal. One of my clients referred to this issue as quote, the deal then gets placed on the desks of nameless and faceless executives in Ivory Towers and we have no more control whether it gets approved, unquote. And I challenged him and I said, It's our job to know the names and faces and get them involved <laughs> earlier.
0: <laughs> Deb excuse it? me yep. for interrupting, but it's time to take a quick commercial break. <laughs> Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. We've been speaking with Kyla O'Connell about the three techniques elite salespeople leverage during the sales process. Now back to Deb and Kyla.
1: Thanks, Dave. Okay, Kyla, do you want to complete that thought?
2: Yeah, so it's our job as salespeople to figure out like, whether it's through your coaches, people inside the organization. A very critical question to ask early in the sales process is, who else from your organization has interest in this solution? It's a very polite way of asking, who are the other decision makers, right? But um, sometimes that question doesn't go over so well. So when you ask, who else from your organization may have interest in this solution, Then it's a little easier for your user buyer maybe to say, well, I think we're going to have to get approval from the CFO. Oh, okay. What is his or her name? And then usually, you know, they start to tell us about that executive and and what they're looking for. And then we simply say, well, why don't invite them to the next meeting? If it's okay with you, I'll also bring our VP of sales, our executive vice president, so that they can make sure the solution works on both ends. So you see you're you're bringing again that equal posturing in by saying, look, you know, we're putting the solution together, we've got our executives involved. Let's let's get your executives involved so that we can work together and and make this work for for both of us. And this also ties into inferior posturing again because we have to be confident enough to ask for the meetings with all the executives involved in the decision. Think about some of my customers When they're putting solutions together, they're placing their top-level talent on this preparation. Their top-level sales talent, managers, executives, engineering, design people, even lawyers, to create a solution, then that effort deserves to be reviewed and discussed by the customer's top-level talent as well. So going back to equal posturing and creating win-win collaborative solutions and communications is a step that I'm out there really trying to help salespeople understand, prepare for, mm-hmm. and so that they have much more transparency in their deals. Well, that certainly makes a
1: lot of sense. So I really like the reference to driving at a foot of snow or playing chess because I bet there are many salespeople who don't slow down and really strategize each step, especially since they are typically impatient personality types. I feel like I'm looking in the mirror here. Yeah, I mean, those exactly. are excellent. Points.
2: At Asher, we put a lot of emphasis on finding people with that natural aptitude, and there's no secret that the natural aptitude does usually point to folks who have high intensity, high drive, high assertiveness. So we're asking this racehorse mentality or personality to pivot, right? And this is something I've been really jumping up and down about at uh, training lately. I said, okay, guys, this is where we pivot away from our natural intuition to close this deal right now or to give all this information right now, we have to then pivot from that instinct to our skilled execution and our skilled strategy. I see it all the time. I see these impatient salespeople and look, I'm one too. I can't wait to close the deal. But I know if I just wait and slow down and and strategic about getting the right people involved, what information can I hold back a bit (laughs) or invite Mm -hmm. executives from my side to get that meeting? I know it will actually close faster than if I just try to rush it.
1: Great. You've given us some great, great ideas to think about, Kyla. And your experience in the field is incredible. And our people are lucky to have you, blessed, I would say.
2: Thank you. you Sam, I appreciate it. The best compliment I receive often is you can tell you love what you do. And I think that that's a testament to the training that I've had and the experience and opportunities that I've had here at this company. So I'm very thankful for that. And I'm very thankful that people can see that passion because I think that's a gift. Outside of my family, there's nothing more I'm passionate about than helping those people fine-tune their efforts to reach higher levels of effectiveness. The last thought I'd leave everyone with today is simply never get complacent, never stop sharpening the saw, never stop going to trainings, reading books, listening to podcasts like this, following thought leaders, You know, there's some amazing thought leaders today, including John, of course, John Asher. We have such a gift with LinkedIn and and other social media platforms that we can get into the brain and insights of people like Gary Vee and Simon Sinek and Tony Robbins and all of the different sales training institutes. Read everything you can. I see salespeople who have been selling for 20, 30 years and they think they know everything. And then I go and they come to training kind of like, you know, in a bad mood because they think it's going to be a a wasteful day. And then we find out they don't even have a LinkedIn profile. So I try to (laughs) learn something new or gain a new perspective every day. That's my job to stay sharp on these skills and techniques, especially how the world is changing. But if you just stay open to learning you'll place yourself among the elite salespeople in this country.
1: I think we all agree with that for sure. And so if people want to contact you, Kyla, what's the best way to do that?
2: Just find me on LinkedIn. And if you mention this podcast, we can schedule a 30-minute coaching call. I know that's our job and that's our product that we're offering there. But I just love talking to salespeople. I know it's what I dissect these skills and implement them into real life opportunities every day. And salespeople, they're busy learning about their industry and their products and solutions. So they don't often have time to really study the sales process and study the types of language that really move a a sale forward faster. And so I encourage salespeople to contact me. If you're stuck, I also encourage sales managers or VPs of sales to contact me because A lot of times I'll have insight into people's personalities that they may not have. And uh, we've been able to help a lot of sales teams out there communicate better, work better together, and overall just be happier.
1: Well, you've shared such fine information with us today. I bet your LinkedIn email is going to be blowing up. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you for doing all that studying every day to make yourself sharp because You, in turn, make all of us sharper. So thank you for that. This has just been a great, great time, and look forward to many more phone calls with you. And Dave, back to you.
0: Thank you, Deb and Kyla. That's all the time we have for today. Our next show is in two weeks. Be sure to join us. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away.